Hi everyone, welcome to the Spencer Lodge podcast. I'm your host Spencer Lodge and it's my job to make the time you're about to give me as valuable as possible. My job here is to share content I've made across all of my endeavors and ventures as an entrepreneur and bring you stories, lessons and insights from my conversations with some great achievers in business and personal development. I'm an author, CEO of the Blue Sky Thinking Group here in Dubai and a really passionate content creator also on my own creative journey, and with so much going on, this show is a way for me to funnel out value from all of the work my team and I are doing so that we can share it with our audiences online in an easy audio format. For those that attend my seminars or follow me on social media, this is just some extra material to get stuck into on your own journey in business, sales, personal development, or whatever aspect you're working on and improving your life. In today's episode, I'll be doing that by sharing an interview I did with Andrew Burgess, who is the CEO of a company called User Generated Content. We recorded it just last week, actually. And Andrew is literally a genius in understanding how user generated content is way more valuable for businesses than their own internal generated content. Now, the interview is going to last around about 30 minutes, and I really enjoyed it because Andrew knows stuff that people and businesses and brands just don't think about. We get into understanding. You give me a great example. You know, when you go to Burger King and you look at the burger that's on the picture above the counters at the front, he said it's that perfect burger that's taken seven hours to prepare. It's, you know, the lettuce is crunchy with a bit of water crisply falling off it. The tomato's amazing and, and the burger bun looks just perfectly made. But he says, we all know that's a lie because our burger never looks like that. But user-generated content will show exactly what the burger will look like. And it's that authenticity that people really buy into. Now, if you've enjoyed several of these podcasts or it's your first one, I'd really love you to rate and review the show. Ideally, a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or some love in the SoundCloud comments. You know, it all helps get this show discovered. And to be honest with you, the more people that get to see it, the more value I can bring to others. And so I really would appreciate it if you could do that. Also do me a favor if you're listening to this episode right now and it's safe wherever you are. Uh, So you're not driving uh, or at the risk of falling off a treadmill or cutting yourself while cooking. Grab your phone and send me a DM on Instagram at spencer.lodge or email me at sl at make-it-happen.com. I love the ratings and reviews, but one thing I never expected was all the messages and comments on my social media. And I love and I just want more and more of it. It gives me such energy to see your feedback. Also, if you're on Facebook, um, uh, you can check me out there too. Uh, it's facebook.com forward slash Spencer Lodge Official. Any way you can contact me directly, please, please do. I can't wait to hear from you. So if you're ready to get stuck in, I really hope you enjoy my interview with Andrew Burgess. Remember, at the end of the interview, I'll be back to tell you more about how the interview took place, what I've learned and applied, and share a few extra notes about the content. So UGC, user-generated content. I mean, I heard you speak about two years ago and my my head literally blew off two years ago as I was trying to understand what you were talking about and the impact that it had. But it really resonated with me when I sat there listening to you talk. Hence the reason for wanting to get my audience to hear what you've got to say on this matter. So can you just describe it? Remember, uh, the audience needs to understand it from a really simple and simplistic point of view to start with before we go into more deeper stuff. So what exactly is it? Um, well, it's exactly what it says on the tin. It's user-generated content. Most brands will have 
catchy advert sales. They've been told that they have to create content, 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 but we're all aware and we know what sales messages. Um, if you look at, say, a food shop or somebody by the beach with the perfect tan and the hat in the right place, you know that it's pushing a dream, it's raising expectation. User-generated content is then brands becoming more authentic. So it's allowing your customer to become the voice of your brand. So many people will be on social media, whether it's Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, but they share their experiences for their network, which they have more trust and people follow them for a reason. It's me to me. But you'll see people taking pictures of food. Nine times out of 10, that food is going to look like that food. Whereas if it's been Photoshopped and it's taken seven hours to create and it looks the perfect burger, is that what you're going to get when you go to that restaurant? No, because the chef doesn't have seven hours to create it. And he may have a hundred covers on an argument with his wife that morning and it's all going to pop. So the brands are then lying or raising expectation to their potential customers. Whereas if they take actual content from their customers and use that and become authentic, then nine times out of 10, that's what you're going to get because you're going to have a similar experience because it's gone through all those different notions. So, uh, for example, I use Facebook simply for my mum. It's easy for her to understand. And for me, I'm just a voyeur on Facebook. But I have, uh, in, in the morning I look through it, in the evening I look through it. But I have friends I went to school with when I was seven years of age. I didn't like them then, I don't like them now. However, if they were to say they had a shocking experience because I have context with them and because I have a trust factor with them, then I will take that as, well, maybe I won't go until I see other people in my network giving a more positive spin. Mm -hmm. So that's basically user-generated content. It's so the trust level and it's allowing you to tell your friends and your peers about how good somewhere is. So if I, if I dumb this right down, mm -hmm. if I get my clients to say good things about me online, i.e. They, they think that I'm good at what I do, um, I, whether it's my content, my advice, my, my strategies, that's more powerful than me saying it. Uh, yes, it's a recommendation. So let's look at everybody. We, we now source social and advice from social media. There's no such thing in the world as social media. It's just how we use the internet today, and that's because of phones. It's there. Sooner or later, it'll be called something else. It was the internet, then it was the World Wide Web, then it was Web 2.0. Now it's the internet still, but it's social media, and we source our content or our viewpoints or whatever we're trying to get. I mean, Twitter's the world's fastest search engine. It's not Google. Anything creative three seconds later, it can be found. So if you want to know the score of Everton versus Tottenham, you wouldn't go to Google because it wouldn't be printed. It takes six months to update Google. And then all the SEO ranking and everything. So you go to Twitter and find it. If you want to ask about an experience for somewhere, you just search in Twitter or you search on Instagram. You go, well, that looks nice. So that's where it takes it up. So going back to your question, recommendations or that connection is holidays 
You know, I used to be cash. Go into a holiday place back on the high street in England. So I'll go in, I'll see a brochure, I'll go, this is how much I want to spend, this is what style rating, and this is the country. And they would come back and they would type in things and they'd go, that's fine. Okay, go to fine. No, wife would go, we're going back home, we'll come back tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And she would go on TripAdvisor and go, food's rubbish or whatever, one star, two star, because they don't do beans and chips and burgers. Like, we don't eat chips, beans and burgers. Why are you reading this? Okay, we'll go in. Next day, go back in. It's now gone up in price. We've missed that holiday. Uh So people still go for that advice thing. Now, from your point, yes. But then you could look at that in a company, even if they're B2B, their staff have networks and trust levels with their peers. So they may be on LinkedIn, for example, and they have their network there. But if you empower your employees, so this becomes employee-generated content, if you empower them to write about your new products and how it works and give an educational piece, be a um, an advocate of it, but to their networks, A, you're empowering them, B, the people that are in their networks believe them more than your sales message as a company. So your sales will end up going up because they have more belief in it. Mm. Or it's like, you know, if you empower them to go onto stage and be keynote speakers or key opinion leaders, or even just employees saying how good a place it is to work, the content can go into the HR pages or the careers pages and show what a great place it is to work, the culture of the place. But you will see that you'll no longer go into recruitment agencies then because people want to work there. And you have a more people applying to enjoy that culture, but you're no longer paying headhunters, HR people, etc. And you've got a stack of CVs to take the best and share with it. So it works across every angle, every area of business, anything. Okay, so I completely agree with you. Um, getting somebody else to say that you're good, your product, your service, your facility is good, is better than you saying it's good. So I buy into that. Yeah. Okay, how do, how do I, let's say, I don't know, let's say I'm a hotel. Mm-hmm. How do I get people to do that? Okay, so people already create content daily. Um, one of my clients, um, which is based on the palm, but they have on average 3,000 images a day created just on Instagram. That's people either taking a picture. Is it a hotel? Yes. Okay, so hotel so, on the Palm Jumeirah, yeah. okay, has 3,000 images taken a day. So basically people are taking photographs at that hotel of themselves and the facilities. Yeah, the beach, the facilities, F&B, et cetera, et cetera, their experiences which they're pushing out to their connections. Yeah. Which has greater context and people believe that more. Yeah. So if we go to how do they use it? First of all, um, we have a software partner um, and a platform within the agency which aggregates any digital content and allows the brand to then repurpose it across all their assets, whether that's digital or out of digital. How do they get the content? You can source fields of, say, for example, on hashtag. So, yeah, I don't know. Hashtag make it happen. Yeah. Anybody talking about hashtag make it happen. Yeah. Then that content 
is there available. Sure. Okay. You have a hashtag for sure. And then you can sort by location. Okay. So, or you could sort by people at messaging the hotel because generally if you're on the hotel, you'll go and at the place. So I'm at the hotel, mm -hmm. I'm swimming with the dolphins. I take a photograph of myself swimming with the dolphins and typically the standard holiday maker in this example would tag the hotel and hashtag the experience and and then tag the location. That's typical for people to do. It doesn't have to be all of those procedures. But one, but of, those one of those things. It's typical that they'll do one of those things. Yes, they're narcissists. Everybody in the world is a narcissist. <laughs> you know, especially in this Instagram generation, they want their peers, their friends to see what a great experience and time that they're having. Okay. Okay, so they're creating that. Now let's look at the footprint. If the hotel decides to go, right, we are making user-generated content the footprint of our brand. And we are going to become authentic. First of all, you put calls to action and ask people and encourage people to do that but, and also talk to them. Um, and we'll get to that stage in a bit. But when a brand talks to somebody, people like it. They're like, okay, the brand's talking to me. So they go out and create more content and better quality content. So first of all, it's all coming in. Now, that content can then be displayed live into their website. How many hotels update their website on a daily basis? Don't know. I don't. I don't bet. I bet many don't. No, and they might be seven-year-old hotel, and it has shots from seven years ago. So is that hotel still looking like that seven yeah. years ago? So this is real content coming in. But then taking that content and overlaying it with shop spots or calls to action to book a hotel, because people see images straight away and they read those images something will take there or create an emotion with them i went went and saw i think it was terry kane once before in a show and he was talking about facebook because he works for facebook and he was doing this presentation and he just flipped through his different presentation screens and then be on the screen for say 30 seconds talking about this bit but he then over skipped like literally went and then he started asking questions. Did anyone see that? And everybody knew that it was a VW camper. It was blue. It was rusty. Because our emotions were quicker. Mm -hmm. So you see that content and you can then add shop spots, calls to action. So first of all, user-generated content and making it clickable and shoppable raises online purchase by 30%. So hold on a minute, because I've got to, yeah, I know that you know this inside out, but for the benefit of my audience, well, no, for the benefit of me, you're saying that that user-generated content will increase the action of a booking or whatever it might be by 30%. Yeah. That, that alone. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, so we're, we're looking at that area. So now you've got content created for free by your customers, yeah. which is more authentic, which becomes more shoppable and clickable. So it goes live into your website and things like that. But now where do you put that content? So we then take the content and push it direct into, say, Facebook Ad Manager, into their um, Google Display Network, into 
um, double-click ad roll, live into their email marketing content. So when you open an email in the morning for a X hotel, you know, all those little images look nice, but you'll come back to it later on. The images are changed. It's living and breathing. And then you can take the content out. And this is where it gets interesting. So anything in the digital world, so in guest room TV or a digital out of home screen or onto the website, because of the terms and conditions that you sign up with social platforms, if your account's private, the brand can't see it. If it's public, then so long as the person is still in control, it can be published into other areas and it's protected by a security system called GNIP. Meaning, if I see my image being used on X hotel website or on a digital out-of-home billboard on Shakeside Road, then I can simply press delete and it would delete off there. So I'm still physically in control. This, this, I, I still own my own content. Yes. Okay. However, have you seen, we, we can go into a conversation about content and people wasting money in a bit about billboards as well, but on um, Shakeside Road, there are billboards that mm. say shot with an iPhone X. Mm -hmm. That's where they use user rights. So we have a system with user rights and it can either be by request or by registration. Request would simply send you a message and say, hi, this is Brand X Hotels. We love your image. Can we use it time and time again? Links, terms and conditions. Hashtag Brand X, yes. Or you want to try and personalize it so people are still talking about your brand constantly and pushing out. Once that's done, you now own the image to take out of digital and use it as an A4 ad or into your brochures. So if we're looking at hotels, how many hotels create brands and uh, adverts and billboards and then brochures for other markets where they are in travel guides or even PDF market or mm -hmm. guides and things and same for Asheville or calls to action within when they're in F&B and things like that. So it now needs that. On the other hand, you have right by registration where you can then fill in data fields and it will suck from say your Instagram if you're on a holiday for say two weeks, you're not just gonna take one. It will suck every single image that's related to that brand with a checkbox and you just go check that one, that one, that one, links, terms and conditions. But then you can put data capture in. So choose your fields. Um, that could be name, family, members, when's your birthday, when's your anniversary, whatever you want to do. Some people will say less is more, but whichever and then pick an incentive for giving the rights. Mm -hmm. So rewarding your customers. $500 off your next trip yeah. with us um, because they may be a tourist mm -hmm. um, and it's valid for two years mm -hmm. because they might come in. That's trying to keep that spend and creating loyalty. Second one might be one pass for an adult, one child pass for a water park. Yeah. Most families have two adults in it and they may have a second. So that means you're still going to purchase an extra ticket. Mm -hmm. And then once you're in there, you're going to spend more mm -hmm. money all day. And F and B stuff, yeah. Or it could be, say, a brunch voucher. Valid up to ten people, that's maximum of twenty packs. But if you're a resident, you then 
might have a birthday and you're bringing other people to experience okay so you're you're basically incentivizing people to allow you to take their take their images okay is it video as well or just video as well so and that works across every social platform so there's 25 social platforms that i can do from including russian and chinese but you can get the rights from the youtube video now you're getting free content that performs better in every single aspect, whether it's the click-through rates on Facebook, Instagram ads, Google ad network, it performs better on your website and upsells or or you get 30% uprise in e-commerce. It doesn't even have to be e-commerce. It could be directing them to something else, but it has a better click-through rate. And now you're incentivizing for future spend and you've still got all this done through the analytics of how your customer interacts with content on your website. If on average that every piece of user-generated content has 50 clicks per 24-hour day, and then one has 3,000 clicks, hey, you want the rights for that image, you know it's creating a connection. But why do you want to go to Leo Burnett of the world or fancy ad agencies to go, come up with three concepts for our next year campaign that will be in every single magazine mm-hmm. and every billboard across the world. And they come up with three different campaign ideas or pitch ideas. And yeah. you go, well, they all look good. Uh, let's hope this one works. Yeah. And then six months later, it's still not making a connection. You know that that piece of content is, so that becomes your global asset. Okay. So this, this description we've taken the example of essentially big brands here. So by taking a hotel, let's, let's, let's bring this back down to a business here in the UAE. It doesn't matter what the business is, but it's, but it's UAE based. Mm. It's an SME, let's say, but a, a larger one of the SMEs. Can, can the rules be applied exactly the same way? Yeah, I mean, it depends what they want to use it for and how they're going to use it. So different horses for different courses. If it was a property company, real estate broker or a developer, real estate developer, broker, whichever. First of all, you still, in fact, I'm going to use an example because I have a real estate development and asset management company on my books. Every one of their communities, we suck content in from what community life is like, and it goes live onto their websites and all their other assets which shows what people do in the communities, whether they are at the park, the gym, what they're cooking that night. Yeah. Because that then shows why you would want to live in that community. Yeah. So they can then sell more properties or rent more properties. Rather than standard stock images of these tower blocks with, you know. Well, that looks good. And what's it really like? Because the first thing, I might say to the wife is, let's go and move here because it's cheaper than what we're doing and we get more space and we've got a garden for the boys. Okay, I want to go and see it. I want to see what the community's like. I want to see what the amenities are like. I want to know what the neighbors are like. Mm -hmm. And now you can see it. And that's what they're doing. But they can also use it for how great it is to work at that company. 
So mm-hmm. it then goes into their HR. They also use it for philanthropy and CSR. So when they do great things, and they went on Clean Beaches the other day, that's going in their CSR pages. Mm-hmm. So internal comms, etc. And then they can do it for data capture and things like that. But then also they empower key opinion leaders and they empower certain people to write or talk and create blogs to create track across their networks mm-hmm. and that beats feedback. So it can be assigned to anybody. It depends how and where you're going to use it for you to then get great value out of it. If it was, you know, a kebab shop in the back end of Albasha, it's not going to work for them. Okay. Because they're not going to have the budget. But for a large SME, it will work for them because they will get things out of it, but they have to get more or have more greater strategy of where they're going to use all these different touch points, not just think it's a social media exercise or a website exercise. The basics of drawing the images from whoever's producing the image and then using the images isn't really, that, that's, that's the kind of like, yeah. you start there and then you go from there. Yeah. And that, that's something that then has to be, if a company was doing that, that then has to be some form of sustained activity for a lengthy period of time because obviously things don't happen overnight. Yes, it's not a let's try this out for two months and hope. But again, social media, when it was done properly, originally back in the day, before then every single PR agency and every digital agency went, yeah, we do social media. That's that's gone now, that sort of trust factor. But companies still go, we have to be on social. Yeah. Bringing in content from your customers or your employees, make your employees create content for you first. That's how great it is. And use that as your, you know, your story on the social media platforms that you're going on to then create greater trust and know that, well, they can be approached or you can just reach out to them and know that they'll go for a coffee or whatever. So, okay, my audience will know my business, mm-hmm. all right? Obviously, they have their industries. Take my, my business as an example of, of what could be done. Yours is a niche market that, okay, we have to, you, you have clients yeah. all over the world yeah. that you have helped and educated them on sales processing. Yeah. So now it's you getting them to talk about them and put that to their networks because yeah. no one's going to believe you in America just because you say you do what you want. But mm-hmm. if you've got Dave and Bob that have achieved for you in America, then either incentivize them or reach out to them to tell their friends and then capture that content as recommendations for you and use it into your story. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes complete sense. Because they're friends, so Dave might work for IBM in America, and he went to one of your seminars or went to one of your courses in, in the university, and since then, his life has changed. Mm-hmm. I remember when I first started doing sales and publishing, and it was all scripted. Yeah. And you have to just read the script and add, it's a skeleton script. Yeah. It's the same, all good salesmen know that skeleton script and it's a story all the way through it. Yeah. And you add, you just flesh it out to be whatever you're selling. 
and you just go through it and memorize it and read it and then you add the extra things like stand up and be on a headset because motion creates emotion or stand on the table and talk to someone because then it doesn't matter if they're the CEO of a company, you're looking down at them so you're not going to be scared. All these different things and nothing's happening. But then, remember, it was boiler room. Boiler room, go and watch that three times, Andrew, and then come back. And I went, okay. Went and watched it. Great film. Next day, sold three inside covers and double back covers and DPS spreads. And I was like, okay, it's just clicked. Yeah. And that's what I then told other people to do. Yeah. And they believe that. And it's just worked in that bit. So going back to your bit, guy in America, he's been on your um, university course or seminar and something then clicked. And he's now top ranking IBM salesperson. Yeah. So who's going to believe more in IBM America? Okay. They're going to come and find you or they're going to believe Dave and go, what's your secret? Absolutely. They're going to believe Dave. You know, I went and saw Spencer. And you should invest in them. Okay, but, but okay. Well, what's really interesting to me is that I completely get this. I completely agree with you on the same page. Are you telling me that there are businesses out there, many businesses out there, that don't get this? At the moment, yeah. Or haven't even, <laughs> haven't even thought about it? They haven't thought about it, no. So They haven't thought about it at all? No, they've become, because since the day dot, we've been told to go out and create content and there's catchy things like Michael Jackson doing Pepsi adverts and X, Y, and Z doing this and promote and push a message, push, push, push. And now it's got to the point because everything is so readily available to us, then it doesn't make sense. We know it doesn't work. We know that they're lying. Let's, let's look at an experience. So when I was 18, 17, 18, and I just come out of school. I didn't go to university or A-levels or anything like that. I self-taught myself everything that I do. But I got up and I got a newspaper and I had my Marmite and a cup of tea. And I would open a newspaper and first of all, it was full of adverts. Yeah. And I was reading content that journalists thought I should be reading. Yeah that I would find interest. They're saying one. Then I got into the car and I switched the radio on, which I listened to adverts in between it, but I listened to songs that the broadcasters wanted me to listen to. Yeah. And then when I got to work, high five with the CEO, didn't like him then, don't like him now. Did you see the billboard on Shakeside Road, say? And I'll go, yeah. And then when I got home, showing my age now, but there was only four channels, and again, I had to watch television that the broadcasters or the TV companies thought I should watch and it was interrupted by adverts. Yeah. Okay, let's look at the world now. I still have my Marmite and cup of tea, but I pick up my phone and I read content that I want to read, whether it's about football or whether it's about social media or simple learning that I want to do. It's content I want. And I have ad blockers on my phone, and most people do on their laptops now, so there are no adverts. When I get in the car, again with my phone, I hit the button, 
and I listen to music I want to listen to. Yeah. And there are no adverts. Mm-hmm. When I get to the office, CEO, don't like him now, don't like him then. <laughs> High five, would you see the billboard? And shake that out, we'll get back to that one. And when I get home, <laughs> I watch Netflix OSN on demand. Yeah. And I watch what I want to watch. Yeah. Whether it's a cooking program or a film or whatever. And again, you can either fast forward the adverts or they're deleted totally anyway. Uh-huh. Netflix. Let's go back to the billboard. If no one listens to this podcast and or me on it, do one thing. Go down Shakeside Road and look at five cars. Five cars. Five cars. Right. On your way home or whatever. Look at five cars. They're not looking at the billboard adverts. I guarantee you three or four are like this. They're not even looking at the road. People and companies are still being told, this is what you do from getting out of school or university in marketing or media or content creation. This was what the norm was. Create all these adverts, content, 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 and you have to do more of it and then push it to them. No one's even looking at it. We don't. Okay. So I say, if I went to the airport and picked you up tonight and I gave you a lift home, mm-hmm. as we were driving down the Shakeside Road, what would you be doing? Okay, in the passenger seat, I'd picked you up. What would you be doing? Talking to you. No, you wouldn't. You'd be staring at your phone. Well, I, I, yeah. You, you look at your phone as a passenger in a car. You're not looking at billboards. No. And I drive in the car. Well, four out of five people are looking at their phones as they're driving anyway. Yeah. So I, I completely agree with that. I have no idea why billboards are still there. I use every social platform. So the 25 of them, I'm on them all. And because I have to understand how they work. And so hold on a minute. Go, go through the ones that you're on. Are you, are you on TikTok? Yes. Are you, are you just use. a voyeur? Or are you? Voyeur. Okay. Don't use it. Um, Pinterest? Pinterest, yeah. Line, WeChat, Weibo. Yeah. Yuku. Yeah. <laughs> um, Stumble upon. Yeah. Reddit. Even things like that. I can suck content from. Instagram's my favorite weapon of choice at the moment. Twitter for search and trying to find something quickly and debate. Uh, Instagram, stories. I was on Snapchat a lot, but then when Instagram raised its game, I went back more to Instagram. LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. Facebook is just a voyeur thing. So I would say they're, they're the ones that I use more and more often. But let's go back to that experience. You switch on and I have connections with people. I don't, I don't need 25,000 followers. I have, you know, I've most on LinkedIn. I have more on Twitter than Instagram. But my Instagram, I think almost 2,000 followers. But it's people that I converse with. I have mm-hmm. connections with them. So if I say something's good, they believe that. If I see something from them, I believe that. That's where it works. Um, I don't follow any brands on my Instagram account mm-hmm. unless I have some form of context with that brand. Now, my two-year-old boy, or he's almost two, when I decide, so he doesn't eat anything sweet yet because I don't want him to develop a sweet tooth. But when he gets to three or four and... He deserves a treat. I know what a black tap treat shake looks like or whatever they're called. Yeah. But that's not because I follow the brand. It's because people in my connection that I have contacts with have posted it and 
they've shared their experiences and I know it's going to look like that and that's where I'm going to take them as a tool. Okay, so who inspires you? I would say, like back in the day, I had every Gary Vee book um, and I still watch him. Um, he is a machine now in what he does. That's the teaching of selling and that's the art of selling. So even before that, I knew the art of selling. And I'll still go back to it just to refresh my brain. Because you forget, you get lazy and you can have it and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I'll watch the odd one or two of his shows every so often, or I'll go back to reading books. There was a book that I read, it was called The NLP Coach. Uh That sort of changed a lot in my life. Mm -hmm. How? Just the way thought process and everything like Mm -hmm. that. So it's all about neural linguistic programming and everything like that. And things like the Disney theory in NLP. When you look at it and it's explained to you, you go, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. I would then say there was was a guy who I I now speak to a lot more on Facebook that I went to school with. So I went to this really posh school. You had to have a very good IQ at your 11 plus to get into this school. It was super, super hard. And in the first year or so, like high up in all my courses and everything yeah and then by fifth year i was in the bottom of everything and there was um, i wouldn't go into do um a levels and i wasn't going to be but i was earning more money in the second and third year than the teachers so i didn't care if they (laughs) turn around and say i'm not going to achieve and since then and it was rough you know throughout all these different aspects of my life but now i'm achieving Mm There was other guys that were just so focused and so pushed into education and doing everything and going to Oxford and all that. And a lot of my year committed suicide. Wow. You know, there was, that's the pressures that were on them. And a guy that I know, my dad had a mental breakdown, and a guy of mine that was in my year also had bipolar and things like that. So he was in this hospital with my dad. And at those times, these things weren't there. Um, Since then, he's an award-winning publisher. He's got probably the biggest mental health publishing company in the world. Um, He's talked about his experiences, does triathlons and everything. And I speak to him more now because he encourages more still in me. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, he said, you need to write more. Mm -hmm. There could be a book in you. I hate writing, but it inspires me. even people that I then went to school with still have little bits of inspiration in my life. And then uh, my boy, yeah, I would say he inspires me to beat him up every night and just throw him around the garden and have fun. Do you, when you go and do the work with the companies that you work with, do you find it um, really rewarding or a lot of the time is the initial part of the process really frustrating? No. Because it, it's good to teach them at the start and pass on your learnings. I like actually everything that I do because I like winding up big ad agencies that are now saying, <laughs> you're wrong, you shouldn't be doing this. This is a, Well, you've had your time. Now there's a new kid on the block and companies don't need to spend all this money with you and they're going to become, you know, it's the rise of 
the micro influencer, the macro influencers and things like that. You know, it's letting the brand have their own voice from their customers. So agency culture, that inspires me and that creates, you know, I like winding people up and I like doing things for my customers. Then now, I only have certain customers. If people don't like me, they're never going to work with me. Really? It doesn't matter if they want to pay me. Do you me. think you're like Marmite? Yeah. Yeah, and I am. Me it's, too, yeah. You know, and I'm very transparent with my customers, you know. Other than turn around and go, it'll be done in 24 hours. Yeah. When they, they're used to something being done in, I don't know, two weeks, that I will jump through hoops for them. Mm-hmm. But I'll say, I'm not going right this minute, though, because I'm in the pub having a drink. This yeah. is my time. I need to relax. But they know I'll work through the night. Mm-hmm. They know I'll do 16 hours on a project for mm-hmm. them. So they know how I work and my attitude. I don't dress up for people and things like that. They know I'm going to come maybe in ripped jeans and scruffy. I once went to a meeting in flip-flops and shorts and T-shirt because he said, the CEO went, I need you. Can you come? And I said, I'm very busy. I I didn't tell him the full thing, but I had family with me and stuff. And there was a thing. No, I need you to come now. Yeah. All right then. So I came. Yeah. He just hit up in flip flops. And he turned around. The assistant went, he said he won't see you. I said, okay, tell him I've gone to the pub next door and I'm going to have a pint and I'll be an hour in there. But my price has just doubled. <laughs> he phoned and went, what are you doing? I went, I told you. And it's now doubled. He went, come tomorrow and wear what you want. So, you know, it's two way things with people. Mm. It's just, you know, if, if you don't like me, then really I'm not going to have any passion to work for you anyway. No, absolutely. <laughs> the companies that I work with, how, how, would they fi- how would they get hold of you? So, on, uh, I changed it. It used to be really simple. PLOS 365. G-L-O-S 365. G-L-O-S 365 on what? Twitter, Snapchat. So, at UGC Factory on Instagram. But it's more me. And the kid and me cooking, but I do do. But if somebody wants to message you and get hold of you, that's the that's the way they can do it. Yeah, on LinkedIn or email or you've got some great articles on LinkedIn actually. That's uh, so for you guys that are listening right now, you might want to go and uh, connect with Andrew on LinkedIn and read some of the articles he's written because some of them are um, yeah they're really valuable actually. I got a lot out of them myself, so I'm sure other people will too. So there you have it, my interview with Andrew Burgess. I really hope you enjoyed it. And number one, it was worth the time. Number two, you learned a lot more about Andrew's story and his industry and what he does for a living. And it made you feel maybe a little bit better about the the alternatives out there that exist than just getting your own content created, but by getting other people to create content for you. So a little more about how this interview came about. I met Andrew, gosh, how long ago was it now? About two years ago, and I saw him talking at an event And as he came on stage and he spoke, he he captured me straight away because he's a very ordinary bloke. You know, he's just uh, wore wore his jeans and a T-shirt where everybody was there in suits. And he had a really interesting story and it was really funny and engaging. And I thought, you know what, I've got to get that guy and spend some time with him. Well, I had the chance to do so, learn a bit more about his story as time went by. And uh, to be honest with you, it was just it was a given. We just had to match the match the diaries up to get get him stuck in there so that he could come and share his story with you guys now. 
Now, I remember during the interview thinking, you know, there was so much more to his story. Um, and and it also how much it revealed about him as a person, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a regular guy, but he's bright enough to see probably three or four years ahead of most businesses and understand how they can capture content from everybody that comes into contact with that business and then use that content to help promote that business. Um, you know, he's a really kind and welcoming guy. You'll notice actually uh, from that, that conversation, he was just a fun and engaging guy. Um, and I always feel when I leave the room after having a chat with Andrew that he's just uh, one of these guys that everything's possible, everything's you know as easy as you want it to be. And uh, to be honest with you, he's just one of those nice guys in life that likes to have a laugh and not take everything too seriously. For me, the three key takeaways were, number one, understand where content is created. On Instagram, for example, people are using hashtags, people are using locations, people that go on holiday, for example, in a hotel. They go on holiday, they stay in that hotel, they take photos of the hotel, they then tag the hotel, they tag the location, and all of that information, as Andrew explained, can be taken, okay, and then put into user-generated content for that hotel's business to promote it. So as I said, third-party recommendation is always critical. And to be honest with you, understanding the power of that, for me, is, is, is a game-changer. It really is. And I just don't think we maybe understand that as much as we should. All of the content that is created by other people that tags me in, tag, hashtags make it happen, hashtags um, sales and sales training and development and podcasts, all this kind of stuff is really great, valuable content for me and my business. And I'm sure that if you could understand from where Andrew was coming from and implement that within your business, there's some mileage there. Even if it's not generated by your consumer, how about it being generated by your employees? That third-party user-generated content to, uh, generated by your employees is going to be valuable too. So real, real great takeaways. And I think that if you can implement some of these things in your business, it's going to have some benefit to you. If you enjoyed this podcast, you have got any feedback, as I mentioned, email me at sl at make-it-happen.com or message me at spencer.lodge on Instagram or on Facebook at Spencer Lodge Official. Do drop me a note, okay, via any of those social handles on my email address. I'd love to hear anything that you have to say or may have learned or started applying from this or any show. Now, if you're feeling extra generous, I'll be cheeky and ask you to leave me a five-star review on SoundCloud or anywhere you see this podcast. It would really help to grow the podcast and get it out to more listeners. Coming up in the next podcast, Umar bin Farouk, the CEO of One Broker Group. He has a really interesting story. He's still in his 30s. He's built businesses. He's lost businesses. He's made some really bad mistakes in business as well, but he's come out the other side fighting. And his story is a really inspirational story for a guy that's been through as much as he has in his business career. One nice thing about him is that he came to Dubai and he, I think he had 2,000 dirhams to his name, which in, uh, in pounds is not an awful lot, 400 pounds, 500, $600. And so to come to Dubai with that much money in your pocket, literally nothing, and get into business and become successful. And actually, he was, he was actually in Dubai on holiday when he actually took up a job um, is really inspiring. So yeah, look out for that. Um, and I look forward to joining you on the next episode.